ഹമദുലിലാഹിനാഹ്മദുനസ്തൈനുഹുനസ്തഫിരുഹുനുബിഹി من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له وحده لا شريك له ولا نظير له ولا ند له ولا ضد له ولا مثل له ولا مثال له ونشهد ان سيدنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا وسندنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فيه رجال يحبون ان يتطهروا والله يحب المطهرين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عشر من الفطره 
او كما قال عليه الصلاه والسلام صدق الله العظيم وبلغنا رسوله النبي الحبيب الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين respected elders and brothers alhamdulillah by the grace of allah tbarak wa ta'ala we are in the second month of the Islamic calendar, the month of Safar. Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says with regards to the month of Safar, La Safara fil Islam. In other words, in the time of Jahiliya, in the time of ignorance, people were very superstitious about the month of Safar. Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, I've been sent to kill all the superstition. The superstition, I've been come to remove all the superstition from the minds of people. There is no such a thing as bad luck in a month of Safar. And a Muslim, he believes clearly that everything that happens in this world, happens to the will of Allah, good and bad. When you go to the maktab, we learn, وَالْقَدْرِ خَيْرِهِ وَشَرِّهِ مِنَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى Any good or any bad that comes to us in our life comes from Allah. So a person shouldn't have any superstition, like a kafir, a disbeliever. His whole life revolves around superstition. He's worried, hey, somebody did something to him here, someone did one tagati there, someone on black cat is walking across me here, and there's one ladder I mustn't walk under over here, and he mustn't sit on the 13th seat in the plane, and Friday mustn't fall on the 13th, it's a Mubarak day of Juma. So all the superstition in the minds of people, Rasulullah sallallahu said, I came to kill all the superstition. There's no such thing as a superstition of Muslims, Firm Iman and Yaqeen must be in Allah. And his Iman must be strong and he must be strong. Not that he frights for every small thing that happens to him. Then he must run to one Molana and get one Tawiz here, get something there. All the superstition, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, that this must come out from our minds. We believe in Allah, that good and bad comes from Allah wa Taala only. And the goodness will come in, a pro- in proportion to our good A'mal. The good amal that we do, we come to the masjid, read our salah, recite Quran Sharif, make dhikrullah, give out sadaqah, fasting. These are things that will bring about goodness and strength in our lives. Nevertheless, in the hadith that I just recited in the khutbah, Hazrat Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions asharum min al-fitra. There are ten things, there are ten things which are from the practice of all anbiya alayhim salam. Ten things which were from the practice of all anbiya alayhim salam. Asharum min al-fitra. Ten practices which all the Anbiya from Hazrat Adam alayhi salam right until Hazrat Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi sallam every Nabi of Allah wa ta'ala practiced on these ten things. Every Nabi of Allah ta'ala practiced on these ten things. And these ten things when we look at it, it, it deals with a person's personal hygiene. It deals with a person's personal hygiene and it shows that this is from the natural way of a person living. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi sallam he explains these ten points in detail. Starting off, he says the first thing is qassu sharib to remove or to trim the mustache. To trim the mustache, Nabi Karim sallallahu alaihi wasallam discouraged a person keeping a bushy, long mustache. If a person keeps a mustache but it's trimmed neatly, it's kept well. There's no problem with that. But keeping a long, bushy mustache, this is something that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam discouraged for a Muslim. And none of the Anbiya alaihi wasallam also kept like this. So Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam says qassu sharib. The second thing, to grow the beard, for a person to grow the beard. This was a practice of all Anbiya alayhi salam of the past, from Hazrat Adam alayhi salam right until Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Every Nabi of Allah wa ta'ala practiced on this, trimming the mustache and growing the beard. Here Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam on one occasion, there was a two messengers, there were two messengers that came from Persia, two messengers that came from Persia, from Kisra. Kisra was the was a Persian emperor and he sent two messengers to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. These messengers, when they came to Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
They came in a condition that they had very big mustaches and their beards were completely shaven off. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he turned his Mubarak face away from them and he asked them, who taught you, who told you to do this here, to remove your beard and to keep big mustaches like this? So they replied that our Rabb, our Rabb, our Lord, Kisra, he has taught us to keep this. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam replied and he said, my Rabb who is Allah, my Rabb who is Allah, he taught me that I should remove the mustache and I should grow them. And all the Sahaba Kiram radiallahu ta'ala anhum, they would keep this, this keeping of the beard. The keeping of the beard and keeping it one first in length, keeping it one first in length. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam has explained to us that this brings a person reward throughout the day and the night. Throughout the day and the night, he's being credited with sawab and reward. So even if he's sleeping or even if he's eating or even if he's working or even if he's in the toilet, he will still get credited for this action that he's got a beard on his face, he's kept a beard on his face. Allah give us the tawfiq inshallah, we all try and keep our beards inshallah. We're in a maktab teaching the small children in a madrasa, so one day he was busy explaining to them the importance of a person keeping a beard, a Muslim, is a shi'ar of Islam. When you see a person, he's got a beard, you know this is a Muslim person, mashallah, he got a beard on his face. So one child stood up, he said, Malana, inshallah, when I get big, I'll never shave. Inshallah, I'll never, I'll keep the sunnat beard of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's the importance, see again here, yeah, the importance of us sending our children to madrasa, sending our children to maktab, so they learn the most important values of deen of Islam. Little children, they come in a madrasa every day in the afternoon, this is so important for them. We must send them to the madrasa. So all important aspects of deen they're learning in the madrasa. Sometimes it happens, the malanas complain, the apas complain. Children are absent from madrasa very, very often. Friday you'll find the absenteeism rate is very high. Children not coming madrasa, sometimes for sports, sometimes for holidays, sometimes for excursions, sometimes doctor's appointment. They're not coming to madrasa on time. We must make sure we send our children madrasa. They learn how to read Quran. They learn how to read Yasin. They learn all the important things about namaz, salah, wuzu, etc. And they can grow up as good Muslims when they grow up. So this little boy is saying that when I grow up, inshallah, Malana, I'll keep my beard. Definitely, I'll keep my beard, inshallah. I met one friend of mine from Nelspreet. So he was telling me he studied in Marlboro by Malana Yunus Daya Sab Rahmatullah. And while she was studying there by Malana, you see, Malana was my ustad. You see, but when I grow up and I left Madresa, I went high school. Then now to look a little bit smart, so I start shaving my beard. It happens to all youngsters when they go to high school. I start meeting up with people, different people. Now they want to start looking a little bit smart. So you see, I started shaving my beard. See, one day I met my Ustad, Malana. So Malana greeted me and he asked me, Muhammad, what happened to your beard? Why are you shaving your beard? He said, I felt so bad. You see, Malana told me, see, remember one thing. When you take your beard out, when you take your beard out, Every minute of the day you're in some guna and sin. You're in guna and sin because you are disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this regard. You see, this had such an effect on me. From that day I made a promise to Allah. Say, I'll never take my beard. From then, alhamdulillah, right till now, still he got his beard. Allah give us tawfiq. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Qassu sharib i'fa'u lihya to trim the mustache and to grow the beard. The third thing that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explains is, he says that, istinshaqul uh, ma to take water and clean the nose with water like how we do in wudu. And the fourth point is to gargle the mouth. So put water in the nose to gargle the mouth. These are the next two points which Rasulullah says all the Anbiya of the past used to practice. Now in wudu we all gargle our mouth and we put water in our nose. This is a great sunnah of Rasulullah and it's a sunnah of wudu. When we make in wudu we all gargle our mouths. We all put water into our nostrils. And in ghusl, this is faraz. In ghusl, 
to put water in the mouth and gargle the mouth and clean the nose is a faras. So a person is cleaning his mouth, is gargling his mouth. And also the hadith teaches us that when we're gargling our mouth, the first two times we'll gargle, the third time we put our head back and what is called ghar ghara, we'll gargle. So whatever dirt is here at the bottom of the throat, all that comes out. Now look at the beautiful teaching of Rasulullah sallallahu To that detail, he's explaining to us about tahara, that any dirt or phlegm or, or mucus that's gathering up in a person's nose, he's blowing all this out, he's cleaning it out. So much, so fine points of, of, of a personal hygiene and cleanliness. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wallahu yuhibbul muttahireen. Allah loves those who are clean. Allah loves those who are pure. In the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Half of iman is this taharat and cleanliness. Half of iman is this taharat and cleanliness. So here the third and the fourth point <coughs> mentioned in this hadith by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that a person cleans his nose and a person gargles, gargles his mouth. I remember two years ago when we went in Jamaat to Cape Town, then in the Shab Guzari, Marana Muhammad Jina from Kimberley was giving the bayan there. And in the bayan, he mentioned one such an important point he mentioned in his bayan. He said during the COVID period, one day he entered one masjid. And on the door of the masjid, he saw there eight steps for washing the hands. Eight steps for washing the hands. You wash it like this, this way, this way, then this way, this way, then this way, and that way. So eight steps for washing the hands. So Mullah said, I saw it on a masjid board. But see, one thought went in my mind at that time. He said, do you have to even teach a Muslim about washing his hands? Rasulullah sallallahu has taught us the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning, you wash your hands. You go to the toilet, you come out of the toilet, the first thing you do, you wash your hands. Five times a day before wuzu, we're washing our hands three times under the tap. Three times we're washing our hands under the tap before we even start our wuzu. If you're making ghusal, before ghusal, you wash your hands. Rasulullah sallallahu taught us before eating, before eating, wash your hands, don't wipe it. After eating, wash your hands, wipe it. Look at the detail of the teachings of Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what our Nabi didn't teach us. Before eating, wash your hands, don't wipe it. After eating, wash your hands, wipe it. Look at the, de- again, yeah, this sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I was speaking to one of my friends this weekend, he's telling me, Mawlana, you know, we used to take these things for granted. Our parents used to tell us, wash your hands before you eat. He says, I'm seeing in my own children, the sunnah is gone. The sunnah is gone. They sit down to eat. Tell him, but you washed your hands. He said, no, I never washed my hands. He said, go wash your hands and come sit down to eat. Something that our parents and grandparents taught us, which was natural in our lives. Now the sunnah is going away. Washing the hands before eating is a sunnah. Washing the hands after eating is a sunnah. Washing the hands before eating is a sunnah. And washing the hands after eating is a separate sunnah. Again, we practice on the sunnahs. How much of sawab, how much of reward? Allah wa ta'ala will give us. He's speaking about this aspect of asharun min al-fitra, 10 things which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explained. It was, was the practice of all the Anbiya alayhi salam of the past. We said the first thing is to trim the mustache, to grow the beard, to gargle the mouth, to clean the nose. These are four. The fifth point that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explains with regards to personal hygiene and cleanliness and fitra is to use the miswak, to use the miswak. Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam encouraged us Every Muslim should have a miswak with him. We should keep a miswak with him. In fact, we should keep two miswaks with us. One in our pockets with us. 
So wherever we go, if it's a time of salah, we just take our miswak and we clean our mouths with the miswak. And when we should keep it at home, at the place where we're making wuzu, at the place where we're making wuzu, so we can easily access that miswak and we can make our miswak. One day, one jamaat was out in a part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and there was one simple mewati that was there in the jamaat. So Malana Jamshed Saab mentions this. He says, one hour before Asar Salah, I'm looking at this mewati, he's walking up and down, up and down, he's looking this side, that side. I'm asking him, buy something wrong. He's telling me, Asar Namaz is going to be in an hour's time. I can't find my miswak. I can't find my, you see, I thought some, maybe some mayat happened in this man's family, but he's worried how he's going to make wuzu and he won't practice on the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He can't find his miswak. Yet Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explains that person who uses the miswak at the time of wuzu and then he reads namaz. Allah wa ta'ala multiplies the reward of his salah by 70. By 70, the reward of his salah is multiplied by 70. Now we ask ourselves, if you go to work and the boss has to tell us, I got a wage here for you. This is 1,000 rand and this is 70,000 rand. You choose which one you want. You want to take 1,000 rand as your wage or you want to take 70,000 rand as your wage. We all know only a fool is going to go for 1,000. We'll all jump for the 70,000 because why? We know the value of rands and cents. Wallahi, if we knew the reward, the value of sawab and reward, none of us will ever read a salah without making this work for that Muslim. Because Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, the reward of your namaz is multiplied 70 times more if you just made miswak and you came and you performed this. So every person should keep this. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Al-Asiwaku mitharatun lil-fami maradatun lil-rabbi. This miswak, it's a means of cleaning your mouth and it's a means of making Allah happy. It's a means of making Allah happy. Which Muslim doesn't want to make Allah happy? Which Muslim doesn't want to, if Allah Ta'ala can just announce that I'm happy with you. What an announcement that will be for us. And your easy way, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying, clean your mouth with the miswak. This becomes a means of earning the pleasure and the happiness of Allah. Allah Ta'ala becomes happy with you, becomes pleased with you. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu anha, she says that I used to see Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam before coming in the house, he'll be making miswak and then he'll enter the house. And he says that Jibreel Ali Salam so much stressed on me this miswak, so much he stressed on me, use the miswak, use the miswak. I thought just now this thing going to become faraz on my ummah. I thought just now this thing going to become faraz on my ummah. So much Jibreel Ali Salam stressed on this before entering the house of Rasulullah Sallallahu to make miswak. Why? To teach us, to teach us. Not, we can never imagine, we can never ever imagine any kind of smell coming out from the Mubarak mouth of Rasulullah Sallallahu There would be only fragrance emanating from his Mubarak mouth. But to teach us before you come home, clean your mouth and go home. Many a times you'll find when these marital cases come to the Jamiat, one of the issues the ladies are writing there, tell my husband, please get his bread sorted out. Tell him get his bread sorted out. He comes home, his mouth is smelling. Here Rasulullah sallallahu is teaching us, use a miswak before you come into the house. By all these important aspects of, of taharat and cleanliness, Aisha radiallahu anha says, when Nabi Karim sallallahu was in marazul mot, he was in the last moments of his life. One of the last actions that Rasulullah sallallahu practiced upon was the using of the miswak. He asked Hazrat Aisha for a miswak. Aisha got the miswak, she softened it, and she gave it to Rasulullah And Nabi made the miswak, and then after that he passed. It was one of the last actions. In fact, it is mentioned in the hadith that that person who uses a miswak, that person who uses a miswak, Allah will make it such for him that at the time of his mort, the kalima will come out of him. The kalima will come out of his mouth at the time of his mort. And which Muslim doesn't want that the kalima must come out of his mouth at the time of, 
Alhamdulillah, miswaks are so easily available. We all can purchase it, have it, keep it, use it. And keep, inshallah, there's so much, and, and encourage our wives and children to use. Miswak is not only for men. Miswak not only for men. The women also must use a miswak. The children also must use a miswak. Let's try and introduce the sunnah in our lives. We'll get so much more barakat out of this. So, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam continues with regards to this 10 points. The next point Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam speaks about is the clipping of the fingernails and the toenails. That every Friday, a person should trim his nails. And the time for trimming the nails is any time from Maghrib, on a Thursday till before Jummah. Any time from Maghrib on a Thursday till before Jummah is a sunnah time for a person to trim his nails. So on a Thursday night, a person got some time or Friday before he comes for Jummah Salah, a person is trimming his fingernails and he's trimming his toenails. Why again here we find a lot of dirt comes, it settles under the nails. And it's very unhygienic for a person to have long nails. Nowadays you find women, ladies, they want to keep long, long nails. This is against the sunnah. It's against the sunnah for them to keep long, long nails. Long nails, they want to keep long nails. How are you going to make stinja with long nails like this? How are you going to eat with long nails like this here? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam encouraged trim the nails, keep the nails short. So this is part of tahara and part of hygiene, part of the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Furthermore, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam teaches us when you trim your nails, when you trim your nails, then these nails must be taken and it must be buried. It must be buried. It mustn't be taken and thrown in the bin or thrown in the toilet or flushed down the drain. Because it's part of a person's body, a human body. When a person dies, you don't take him and throw him in a bin or flush him down the toilet drain. You bury him. So because it's part of a human body, it should be buried with respect. Here again, ulama teach us, they say maybe every week it will be difficult to go and bury it. So have one container in the house. Everybody, after they clip their nails, they keep it in a container. Once every two, three, four months, you get a chance, you take it, you bury it. So again, here yeah, we're practicing on the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Trimming of the nails, the sixth point, the seventh point, seventh and eighth point, Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explains is that the person removes all unwanted hair from under the arms and around the private areas. That once a week, a person is now cleansing himself. <coughs> He's removing all unwanted hair. Again, here Islam is so beautiful. It teaches us that do not keep long hair under the arms around the private areas because this brings now about a stench in the body. Sometimes you'll find a person, he'll pick on a Muslim's beard. That how come now you're keeping a one-fist beard? It's so unhygienic. But if you look under his arms, he's got two-fist beards under his arms. He's not cleaning that. That doesn't affect him in any way. But this one-fist beard on the face, which is washed so many times, cleansed so many times, who's always made so many times. Hilal of the beard is done so many times. Person will pick on that. Yeah, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying under the arms, around the private areas, clean that hair also. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has taught us we shouldn't allow 40 days to pass and that hair is not, is not removed. A person who allows 40 days to pass, he'll be in guna and he'll be in sin if he allows such a long time to pass without removing that hair, etc. So here again, Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is teaching us. Then the, the ninth point, the ninth point which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam speaks about is ghaslul barajim, then to make ghusl, to have a bath and to cleanse especially the sweaty areas, the sweaty areas under the arms, around the private areas, etc. He's careful about washing all of that, having a ghusl. In the time of Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, on the day of Jumu'ah, there were many people that would come from the outside, from the villages, they would come for the Jumu'ah salam. Masjid and Nabawi was a very simple building, the roof was very, very low. And there weren't much windows and much ventilation. So people that would come from far, many a times they wouldn't bath and come. And as a result, there would be odors that would be emanating from their bodies. 
this would affect Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was very particular about taharat and cleanliness. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did made it compulsory on a Friday that any person coming for the Jummah Salah, it is for us for you to have a bath and come. He made it compulsory for us that every person was, so then everybody had to have a bath, ghusal, faraz, ghusal and come for them. For the Jummah Salah. Later on, Rasulullah relaxed this and he said, Now it will become a Sunnah. It will become a Sunnah that a person, when he's coming for Jummah especially, then this Sunnah bath can be done from Thursday night or Friday morning. Anytime a person can do it before the Jummah Salah. If a person is starting work very early on a Friday and he can't manage to bath before he comes for Jummah, on a Thursday night he can have a bath with this beard that I'm making this ghusal for the sunnah ghusal of my Jummah, of my Friday, and I'm coming to the masjid day after. So here again, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is stressing the importance of a person bathing regularly and keeping his body clean so that no odors emanate from it. Now we, we, we read namaz in a masjid. There's musallis that are coming all the time to the masjid. We can imagine if a person comes to the masjid and he doesn't have a bath for many, many days and he comes. It affects the entire congregation. Entire masjid gets affected because of this. So the importance of us having a bath and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is stressing on ghaslul barajim, the sweaty areas we must be even more careful of under the arms, around the private areas, behind the neck, under the knees, etc. This must be stressed on, emphasized on to be washed correctly and properly. And the last point that Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa speaks about in this is intiqasul ma that a person makes istinja when he goes to the toilet. Istinja means to wash himself with water. Now here again, look at this beautiful practice of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa A Muslim, he goes to the toilet, that he doesn't just wipe himself with tissue paper, but Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa teaches us, wash yourself with water in the toilet. Look at the height of the cleanliness and the taharat and the hygiene of Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa He's teaching his ummah, you going to the toilet, in, 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 in a maktab normally when you teach the children. One of the things you teach the children is if you're going to a public school, if you're going to a public school and there's no water and there's no jug in the toilet, then you take one small bottle with you. You fill the water and you go to the toilet, you make sure you make your istinja. Because if the drops of urine are going to fall on your clothing, on your body, Rasulullah has warned us and he said, this becomes a means of azab and punishment for us in the grave. May Allah save us from the punishment of the grave. So the importance of us making istinja wherever we go, a person is traveling somewhere and now he has to stop at a garage and there's no water there in the toilet. So get one bottle. Get one bottle, but make sure we make istinja. We don't miss out that istinja at all. Once Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was going to Medina Munawara and he stopped in Quba. And in Quba, Allah ta'ala revealed to him these verses. لَمَسْجِدٌ أُسِّسَ عَلَى التَّقْوَى مِنْ أَوَّلِ يَوْمٍ أَحَقُّ أَنْ تَقُومَ فِيهِ رِجَالُ يُحِبُّونَ أَنْ يَتَطَهَّرُوا وَاللَّهُ يُحِبُّ الْمُطَّهِرِينَ That there are people who are living here in Quba. There are people who are living here in Quba. Quba, most of us who went for Umrah and went to Medina Sharif, you have to visit Masjid Quba. There are people who are living here in Quba who love tahara and cleanliness, and Allah loves those who are clean. So Rasulullah was amazed. He called the people of Quba. He says, Allah has revealed these ayats about you all. He says that you all are people who love taharat and cleanliness. And he says that Allah, Allah loves you all because of this. What are you all doing? What are you all doing that has brought you all the love of Allah? So they said, Ya Rasulullah, if there's only one thing that's coming to our mind is that when we go to toilet, then we practice on a double fold tahara. We make uh, istinja, we make istinja using clods of earth 
and we make istinja using water. They make a double fold istinja. Rasulullah was so happy. He says, yes, this is the thing that has earned you all the love of Allah, the pleasure of Allah. He says, keep up to this practice. Make sure that you'll make this double fold istinja and carry on. So we took can also practice on this. A person going to the toilet, maybe he can't use clothes of earth, but he can use toilet paper and he can use water. Double fold tahara, inshallah. And we can also make this niyat that we'll earn the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So to learn this aspect of taharat, istinja, etc. In our, in our madrasa, one youngster, he came, from, he came from Cape Town, Africana. One young Africana, he accepted Islam about 22 years old. But because he became a Muslim, his parents threw him out of the house. Father, mother, he came away to the madrasa to learn. One year he learned, then he gave his small brother a little dawat. Gave his small brother a little dawat. He told him, why don't you become a Muslim? Brother said, no, no, I, I, I don't want to become a Muslim. But then he just taught him this one aspect of washing yourself in the toilet. So he says this boy, he got so impressed with this. He started keeping bottles in the toilet. And every time he's going to the toilet, he's making istinja. Not a Muslim, not a Muslim, but he just loves this aspect of istinja. One thing caught his heart, so he started practicing on it. Mother got angry with him, said, take all your bottles and throw it out of the toilet. What are you bring in this thing here in the toilet? He says, no, 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 to practice on this. Two, three weeks he practiced on this here. His heart just got attached, accepted Islam. Accepted Islam just on this one aspect of making istinja in the toilet, which we think so simple. We don't, he says, I can't understand what a beautiful practice Islam has. So these 10 things Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa has mentioned, Asharun min al-fitra, 10 things which was the practice of all Anbiya alayhi of the past. Number one is to trim the mustache. Number two is to grow the beard. Number three is to gargle the mouth. Number four is to clean the nose from all its mucus. Number five is to use the miswak. Number six is to trim the nails. Number seven is to remove unwanted hair from under the arms. Number eight is to remove the hair from around the private areas. Number nine is to make ghusl and to have a bath regularly. Number 10 is to wash ourselves with water in the toilet. Person practices on this, inshallah. All these eight, all these 10 aspects all relate to a person's personal hygiene, personal taharat and cleanliness, which forms the basis of all our ibadat that we do thereafter. Our reading of Quran, our reading of namaz, etc. is all based on these 10 points of taharat. Allah give us tawfiq to make amal wa akhidu da'wana
الحمد لله الذي أرسل رسوله بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله ولو كره الكافرون أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونحن له مسلمون ونشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله الذي بشر به المرسلون صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه الذين فازوا كلهم أجمعون أما بعد فيا أيها الناس عليكم بالسنة فإن السنة تهدي إلى الإطاعة ومن أطاع الله ورسوله فقد رشد واهتدى وإياكم والبدعة فإن البدعة تهدي للمعصية ومن يعص الله ورسوله فقد ضل وغوى واعلموا أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال أما بعد فإن خير الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم, الله عليه وسلم والشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل بدعة ضلالة أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ومن يشاقك الرسول من بعد ما تبين له الهدى ويتبع غير سبيل المؤمنين نوليه ما تولى ونسله جهنم وساءت مصيرا بارك الله لنا ولكم في القرآن العظيم ونفعنا وإياكم بما فيه من الآيات والذكر الحكيم إنه تعالى جواد كريم ملك بر رؤوف الرحيم فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يدلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله الذي أرسل بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأتباعه وأزواجه وذرياته قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أرحم أمتي بأمتي أبو بكر وأشدهم في أمر الله عمر وأصدقهم حياء عثمان وأقضاهم علي وفاتمة سيدة نساء أهل الجنة والحسن والحسين سيدا شباب أهل الجنة وحمزة أسد الله وأسد رسوله رضوان الله تعالى عليهم وعن كل الصحابة أجمعين اللهم اغفر للعباس وولده مغفرة ظاهرة وباطنة لا تغادر دمبا الله الله في أصحابي لا تتخذوهم غرضا من بعدي فمن أحبهم فبحبي أحبهم ومن أبغضهم فببغضي أبغضهم وخير القرون قرني ثم الذين يلونهم ثم الذين يلونهم اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين بالإمام العادل ذي القوة القاهرة والسلطة الظاهرة على الكفرة الباغية واغفر اللهم لجميل المؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين والحمد لله رب العالمين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيدكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم وادعوه يستجب لكم ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون
الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين سبح اسم ربك الأعلى الذي خلق فسوى والذي قدر فهدى والذي أخرج المرعى فجعله غثاء أحوى سنقرئك فلا تنسى إلا ما شاء الله إنه يعلم الجهر وما يخفى ونيسرك لليسرى فذكر إن نفعت الذكرى سيذكر من يخشى ويتجنبها الأشقى الذي يصل النار الكبرى ثم لا يموت فيها ولا يحيا قد أفلح من تزكى وذكر اسم ربه فصلى بل تؤثرون الحياة الدنيا والآخرة خير وأبقى إن هذا لفي الصحف الأولى صحف إبراهيم وموسى الله أكبر سمي الله لمن حميده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين أفلا ينظرون إلى الإبل كيف خلقت وإلى السماء كيف رفعت وإلى الجبال كيف نصبت وإلى الأرض كيف سطحت فذكر إنما أنت مذكر لست عليهم بمسيطر إلا من تولى وكفر فيعذبه الله العذاب الأكبر إن إلينا إيابهم ثم إن علينا حسابهم الله أكبر سمي الله لمن حميده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله الله استغفر
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله اللهم لا نحسثنا عن عليك انت كنفس لا اله الا انت سبحانك لا كنا من الظالمين اللهم ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنواصرين اللهم ربنا اتنا في الدنيا حسنه وفي الاخره حسنه اللهم اغفر لنا وللمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات على احياء منهم الاموات انك سميع قريب مجيب الدعوات يا عزيز يا غفار اللهم انا نسالك من خير ما سالك منه نبيك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم يا رب صل وسلم دائما ابدا على حبيبك خير الخلق جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو سبحان ربك رب العزه ما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين